Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. Uh, hey, everybody. We've already started recording. It's okay. The year is 1963. The album is It's a Gas. The artist, well, is Mad Magazine, but it's not really Mad Magazine. It was written by an actual human being. Uh, but I couldn't find that information online, so that's real helpful. But my guest is Arnie Kogan. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And my other guest is Patrick Ferrone, who's back. Thank you so much. Hi, sure. Happy now, you are the reason that Arnie's on the show, and the reason you're on the show is I asked you about Mad Magazine, because you own every issue of the magazine. I do have a complete collection of Mad Magazine, yes. And what is your reason for the completion? We're going to start there, because oh. that's an obsessive thing to do, <laughs> and but it's a very, that's, that's a comedian thing. Isn't, that, I mean, isn't that reason enough, mm-hmm. that it's an obsessive thing? No, I, I mean, I read it avidly as a as a young lad and then just kept them all because they seemed too precious to throw away and then kept collecting going forward and then some point in my mid-30s I realized hey I I have enough disposable income (laughs) to actually go back and get the issues that I didn't previously have and over the course of about a 10-year period through a lot of comic book conventions and and comic book stores I managed to get the collection going back to number one and then I've had a subscription ever since, which I may be among the few yeah. left on the planet with such a <laughs> with such a, a creature. But uh, but uh, and that's and that's that's how I did it. Your parents didn't throw them out. That happens. No, no, all no, the no, time. No, 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 no. My parents threw his out. That would have been <laughs> would have been interesting. No, we we uh, yes. My, my my parents were both good about leaving me alone and leaving me in my nest with my pack rat. Uh, Belongings. My parents had the same had the same thing. My mom actually introduced me to It's a Gas because she was desperately trying to remember what this thing was called that she'd heard as a kid. Because my mother thinks gas jokes are very funny. Uh, <laughs> she's in, just yeah. that kind of person. Not in that issue, not in that area of the valley, you know, <laughs> the methane gas leak. Oh, yeah. oh, I know, right? No, no. <laughs> um, so, I mean, again, anyway, that is just a conceit of us being here. That is that is a vinyl ish thing that that has been of mad. Uh, Patrick, have you heard it? And what do you think of it? Uh, it's kind of a one-joke piece, yep. as I recall. Yep. Um, I, I, in preparation for this podcast, I listened to it again, mm-hmm. uh, and then I also found on YouTube the disco version. Yes, of it's a gas, <laughs> too. Which, which is, is the same one joke, uh-huh. and but but has a little bit more uh, resonance to it because it they at least made it a disco as opposed to a, like a postmodern jazz thing mm-hmm. that the original was. Yeah. Um, but it is impressive to me that even as a collector that, such as I am, that mm-hmm. there's somebody online who's who's got those albums yeah. and has loaded them, uploaded them for the benefit of the, the dozens of us who actually care to listen.
And there's some greater collections, too. Um, Arnie, when did you first hear it? I'm curious. Well, first, let me mention that I write for MAD. Yes. I do not have every issue of MAD. Sure. I do have every issue of uh, Better Have Homes and Gardens. <laughs> I could be the only one, and my mother did not, unfortunately did not throw those out. Uh, I have pilfered all of his early MAD, so now I have no collect- collection. Um, it's a Gas was been around, and, uh, and like you guys, um, all I really heard in the lyrics, if there are any more, I don't know, are it's the words, it's a gas. Yep, that is it. It's like, you know, my baby does the hanky-panky. Right. All I heard was that uh-huh. and nothing more. So uh, I remember hearing it when there was a database for Mad Magazine when you wanted to check out an old story, see what what it was. They played it's a gas, mm-hmm. and that's how I remember it. Yeah. But, uh, and it's quite danceable, by the way. It certainly yeah. is. It's, so, it's, uh, it's got a bit of a beat to it. So you started writing for Mad Magazine in 1959, correct? Right. Okay. I'm just out of college, yeah. I was going to say, it's, yeah. is it your fir- first... First comedy sale ever That's of anything was Mad Magazine. Wow. I uh, love Mad. Well, first, as soon as I read it, I, you know, I, uh, I said, this is fantastic. And um, I met somebody, a guy named Paul Krasner, mm-hmm. who did a magazine called The Realist. The Realist, sure. And at NYU, he was uh, older than me, and but he... Had written a thing saying, I write, write stand up comic has written for Mad Magazine. I said, You wrote for Mad? How do you do that? And he told me who to go and who to see. And I brought an article uh, to them, not an article, I brought a story to them. Uh, and they said, We can't use it. It's a summer issue thing. If you want, you can go to the competition and try to sell it there. Uh-huh. That time there were like 28 competitors of Mad. Think <laughs> and crazy and nuts and not so. Went to one of them. He said, I want to buy everything you've got. I said, I had 17 stories for him. He said, but I can't pay you immediately. I can pay you in six months from now. I said, I don't think so. He said, you can go to turn around and go to Matt if you want. I went back to Matt. I showed Feldstein and, um, and the, head, the other writers there the uh, stories. And they said, leave with us. Three days later, there was a check in the mail for $75, two pages for the wow. number, graduation speeches. That's still what they're paying. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah they raised the rates. Rate. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I was... I was, um, uh, I was working for a furniture company at the time. They were paying me 75 a week. Mad sent me 75. I went nuts. It was like very exciting. Wow. And I sold two other stories quickly after that. And I was on my way, you know, writing for Mad. Is that how it always was? Was it you work independently, submit it, and then see what happens? Is that how it always was? Well, after a while, they would call me. Mm-hmm. They'd say, hey, when I, especially when I started doing satires and spoofs, they say, uh, you know, there's a movie out the sting would you want to satirize I said I'll take a look and see and usually I would I yeah. would say I'll do it mm-hmm. and I'd write it and they'd assign it to an artist and uh, that would be it wow you know. did you write it out and now we're going to get into the specifics of it yeah. how, how was it written out was it my just... first few stories I hand wrote everything mm-hmm. including the the dialogue balloons which you don't, you don't have to wow. do yeah. the dialogue balloons <laughs> I'd write the uh, you know in pencil and pen and hand write the balloons and give it to them and um, they said, didn't comment at all. And after a while, I would type it out. Yeah. And then um, that's pretty much it. And then wow. computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm not a very good typist. When I used to write, I used to use a manual typewriter and you type very quickly with one finger. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> use the letter A with the other hand. And that was it. In fact, I did an episode for Newhart years later on the uh, the innkeeper Newhart. He went to typing class, mm-hmm. and it was based on a true story that I, a very funny true story I had in uh, the Valley typing class. And, uh, you know, I didn't improve my typing, but I got an episode out of it. That's amazing. That sounds familiar, too, because sure, I know I've seen every episode of that show. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, so 
Actually, I, I'm curious. So, was it always when you were you? How much of Mad had you read beforehand? I read since issue number one. Since issue number one, everything okay. that Patrick has has and owns, yeah, I've, I I've read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since issue number one, and through the Kurtzman years, and then when it became a glossy magazine, in uh, Kurtzman that was 52, 57, it became a magazine. Okay. And uh, a couple of years later, I was running, you know, for Mad. That's amazing. And was it, it was great. Was it geared toward? Your age or your mindset? I've always wondered that about my Matt. mindset was always infantile. Uh-huh. Still is. Yeah. So um, you know, I just like to laugh. I love comedy, and this is hysterically funny. Yeah, hysterically funny. It's also got this. I mean, there's this joy about the way the jokes are written that uh-huh. I can't quite pinpoint. Maybe Patrick would have a better perspective yeah. on it. It it is childish, but it's yeah. also really sophisticated at the same time. Well, and and I'm reading the yeah. piece. I have it in front of me. It's called "Graduation Speeches." Dot dot dot. That somebody listened to. Right. <laughs> and the premise of it is there's five different different pieces. One Jack Benny, Dick five Clark, different graduations. Uh, five, right, right. right. Uh, uh, Steve Allen and, and Richard Nixon and Fidel Castro. Which, by the way, Fidel Castro is still alive. The fact that you were, yes, you were yes. parodying somebody. Well, he's very, he got very hot this year, I believe. Well, this was an yeah, important yeah. year for yeah, Fidel yeah. Castro. It's true. Yeah. But but the idea that you were doing topical humor about somebody 56 right. years ago mm-hmm. who's still out there, um, not not quite as, uh, as, as important right. as he is now. But, Trump um, was my other choice here. Well, that would have been, yes. That was my second choice. That was my second but it's but and and it it goes to what the, the sort of evergreen uh, references that Mad were. I mean, Mad is a it is and always was a a sort of topical yeah. and and eternal comedic targets were, were were its targets were 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 topical. But it has you can go back and read. Yeah. you know, with some exception, the the, the Cosby jokes of yesteryear are not sure. exactly what they are today. Sure, but uh, <laughs> but it's still it it has it has a resonance because it's it satire, even yeah. though it closes on Saturday night, has meaning and has and and it was always to me much more intelligent than it was given credit for yeah. and much more sophisticated and and, and uh, yeah there's some stuff some very bright stuff not mine but some very <laughs> bright <laughs> stuff there um that's very smart and a lot of us a lot of writers oh, are not going to write down to the 11 year old and very often a mad audience the reader is 11 and a half years old mm-hmm. but i written, always read i say if they get the joke fine if they don't get the joke too bad. Yeah. I'm going to write it anyway. I right. like it. Right. And, uh, you know, people, a lot of people may like Some people may like it. That's okay with me. Well, so. I feel like there's also the case where eventually they might get it, too, because yes. I know there was so much that went over my head, but I also really loved that there was this challenge to read something that I might not totally understand, but I know there's something in there for yeah. me. Right, right. But you don't, I mean, you're just writing what's funny, though, right? From your perspective. I wrote, I wrote yeah, mainly I wanted to write funny. I, and if something was satirical and satirical if something was topical or something was uh, uh, meaningful it was less important to me than it was funny yeah that was the main thing for me sure yeah. it was great if it worked out to be yeah. these other things sure right. um, one of the early pieces I did was um, maybe the third or fourth piece The Interpreter uh-huh. which turned out to be a very politically astute article and I was not a politically astute young guy and um, the premise was that at that time Eisenhower was president and um, the interpreter has much more power than you think he has. So mm-hmm. he would say something dull and vapid. Mm-hmm. And, and we had different interpreters. Like, if you want to talk tough, get Jimmy Cagney to be your interpreter. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, so Eisenhower would say something very bland. 
and Cagney would make up his own Cagneyish thing and push grapefruit into Khrushchev's face, <laughs> and uh, so that would have another whole other meaning. And that's that's basically the premise of that article. That's so, fantastic. So, and yeah. and what, what about what year was that? Because 1961, I think. About 1961, yeah, early and 60s. I, and so now, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Key and Peele, but Key and Peele ha- did that exact same gag for their entire series. Ooh. They had Obama had an anger interpreter, the anger interpreter. <laughs> which yeah. was oh, yeah, it's the yeah. same gag. It's yeah. the same. No, no, it's, it's, well, they may or may not. It doesn't. You know, I, I understand. Yeah, but it works. It's yeah, the thing. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's it's an evergreen idea. It's the, as right, you said. right. I'm looking. I'm looking at the masthead here, and and in addition to you, yeah. So you actually, well, it's just the contributing writers. But Sid Caesar wrote for this issue. Well, Sid Caesar wrote his article. His writers wrote for the article. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And Bob and Ray. Uh, Bob and Ray's not listed for this Tom one. Because Tom Cook, who was Bob and who and Bob and Ray's writer, okay. wrote that stuff. Ernie Ernie Kovacs. Kovacs may or may not have written. Holy shit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but also the fact uh, Frank Jacobs is here. Yeah, still, Frank would have preceded me still by a couple with us. of years. Yeah. Al Jaffe in Jaffe's his still doing early nineties. Al Jaffe's ninety three, still contributing. And I spoke Amazing. to Nick uh, yeah, John Ficari the other day. Jaffe still walks twenty three block, fourteen blocks to deliver his stuff <laughs> to Mad Magazine. <laughs> oh my God, he's ninety three years old. A fantastic guy. That's very awesome. bright, very clever, and a good, tremendous writer. I love him. I like Jaffe. And artist, writer, and artist. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, yes, I've, I've you know m- most of these contributing artists and writers are no longer with us, but, but yeah. names like Don Martin and Wally Wood, Morton. right? Is Mort Drucker still Drucker still around? He's, still he's around. not writing, he's not but he's still working. living. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but that's one thing at a time. <laughs> I think that's the. Oh, was he still living, but not right? One of those kind <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. But, yeah. But so I mean, and we're talking about you know fifty-five when Eisenhower was president. Yeah, yeah. The notion that that people are still Eisenhower submitted an article. We turned it was oh, turned it down. Yeah. So it was not known <laughs> yeah. for being funny. Not the way this guy. Funny uh, who were your big influences at the time? Because I know you said when we when we emailed back and forth, you listened to some Spike Jones, but you also had a lot. Well, let's, of we'll get to that in the comedy thing. But yeah. I had a. Um, Tell you the early years, I loved Bob Hope movies, not not necessarily the Hope Crosby movies. Bob mm-hmm. Hope, Monsieur Beaucaire, and uh, Pale Face. Mm-hmm. Just he was a funny guy. I liked Hope, and um, then of course when early television came, I loved Sid Caesar. Sure, I he liked Burrow, but I loved Sid Caesar, and uh, worked with a couple of those writers after years later, and um, then as I got older, and a lot of the my comedy idols were about my age. Woody Allen is a big I love Woody Allen yeah. and Robert and um, um, Carlin and uh, Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Martin, hysterical. Yeah, I, you know, so Steve Martin in Vegas, and he was he was incredible. I mean, with the arrow through the head, Steve Martin. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so. amazing. That's Robert that, Klein is very funny. Seinfeld is very funny. Sure. So a lot of people that uh, make me laugh. I enjoy. it. When you, uh, okay, so you said you had 17 things in your pocket when you submitted this first one? When you, when you, oh, when I, you got no, I, no, I submitted for, I just had that one. Then okay, I okay. went to this, I went to the uh, competitor, uh, Panic Magazine. Mm-hmm. He said, I like this, what else do you have? I said, nothing. He said, can you write up some ideas? Or, okay. So. I wrote up ideas. He liked every one of my ideas. I started to count the pages and figure the amount. Yeah. $25 right. a page for him, thirty-seven fifty for Mad Magazine. But he couldn't pay, so yeah. I then... Wrote, sent it, submitted to Mad, and they bought three of those articles. Were you writing a lot before that, or was that not even an issue? I was not even. No, I didn't write. I was writing for stand-up comics. Okay. Um, and I didn't write sell to stand-up comics until after I sold to Mad Magazine. Really? Morty Gunty, Toadie Fields, 
those years. And um, then after that, I started to write for more stand-up guy, Jackie Vernon. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Sure. Low-key guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then got involved in television in the East, Candid yeah. Camera. Mm-hmm. And the Lust Crane show. I loved. I did Canon Camera twice. Uh-huh. You sat in a room and wrote ideas and just gave it to them. They used like quite a bit of my stuff. Wow. We're not called a writer. You was the pre- yeah. ex-president of Writers Guild. To yes. Get involved no, in I appreciate it. You were I not called it. a writer. You were this called is... idea men. You got no residuals. Nothing. <laughs> it was the early days of reality television yeah, that you yeah, were experiencing. Yeah. So um, anyway, I did a lot of stuff for them, and um, then got uh, while I was doing the Lust Crane show. Marty Ingalls, the late Marty Ingalls, who uh, was a strange guy, but uh, interesting guy, he said, I'm doing this, I may do this movie for Ivan Torres. It's either me or Jerry Lewis or Soupy Sales. I said, okay. And I'll put your name in as a writer. I said, okay. I never just wrote in sketches. I didn't even written sketches then. I just wrote one-liners in comics. I got the job as a screenwriter for Ivan Torres, who did Flipper and those mm-hmm. kind of shows. And uh, it was a Soupy Sales movie about uh, this janitor that could fly. There was a screenplay written by R. Arthur. I rewrote it, uh-huh. and we got crow credit. I had no idea what I was doing. I just wrote, and it was a dopey movie. Tab Hunter was in it, said it was the worst film he was ever in his life. Oh, wow. Not, what was it called? I'm it not... was called Birds Do It. Birds <laughs> Do It. Did, it was did it stick to the film? It was, did it actually... well, it sucked. Unfortunately, it did stick to the film. <laughs> okay. yeah. right. and 65, 66, Columbia. Wow. Uh, was down in Florida writing it. I gotta and, put this on my Netflix queue. And I'm, yeah, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> but it wasn't color. It wasn't color. And he, well, anyway, okay. the things like I, I said I, I got a sample screenplay. I looked at it, and it had it was a, uh, a finished draft. So it had the shot numbers on the left hand side and the right hand side. I didn't know. I wrote the shot numbers down. I wrote my version of the script. Ivan Torres is very nice about it. He said, you know, he got a pencil. He said, you know, you don't need this, Arnie. You don't need this. I said, okay. <laughs> anyway, so I got a screenplay credit, and then I did The Tonight Show, which you've done in California, yes, right? Yes, right. We... I did it in New York and then in California. So I, I've, for about two years, I did actually one and a half year. I then They didn't pick up my option once. Went back to California to look for work. John Carsey, Marcy Carsey's oh, husband, sure, sure. called me. He was on the show. He said, you want a gig? I said, yes. He said, the Tonight Show wants you back. I said, great. I went back, and I worked for the next 35 years straight on different shows. Wow. Variety and sketches and, yeah. uh, and sitcoms and so forth. So, Was was Hank Bradford the head Hank writer? Was a, Hank, yeah, I worked oh, with right. Hank, and Hank was the head writer when I went back to the Tonight Show. Yes. Hank, I, I have a quick story that I may have talked on my podcast with you that Hank gave me my first job on The Late Show with Joan Rivers, and it was also the result of uh, something similar to what you had said. I had, this is 1986, and I was using a, a, a desktop computer about the size of a Buick. Mm-hmm. It's a giant IBM computer. Display that, writer, by that, any chance? Uh, no, but okay. it was, it, and, and, and the you know, daisy wheel printer, mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I couldn't turn off the right justification on the oh, no. on the on the one line two line jokes that I had written, so I handed them in, and Hank Bradford <laughs> called me up and said, "These are the best typed jokes." <laughs> and he said, "Some of them are kind of funny too." So, so that's I great. That's funny guy. Hank's funny guy. Well, I saw him recently. I saw him about a month ago, and he's he's looking very well. So. Okay, you have a big beard and uh, no, he's clean shaven, oh, clean shaven, top and bottom. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, I haven't seen but, him in a while. But feeling feeling. Yeah. Feeling pretty good, he said. But yeah, so so typing is clearly important Apparently. to the writing profession. <laughs> yeah, uh, if yeah. we're any indication. That must be what I'm doing wrong. 
the wrong justification on everything I've ever written. Yeah, I, can, I cannot correct you. Just, I don't know how that works. Just, well, I figured it out since yeah, then. I, yeah. I, I moved up from WordPerfect 2.0 to whatever I'm using now, Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft Excelsior or something. You're, probably, you're handy, aren't you? You're, you're a handy guy? Uh, well, I have, <laughs> yes, and I also have uh, teenage children who okay. know enough I do, about that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm not, I can't fix anything at all. <laughs> everything, I have no idea. Yeah. How does a pencil work? I think there's well, got that I can do. Yeah, <laughs> sharpen it. I think. Yeah. So you, you're starting writing at Mad around the time where pretty much every album that we ever talk about on right. the show got its start. I mean, you know, yes, exactly. this is Shelley Berman. This is Bob Newhart. Right. What's the stuff that you're listening to at the time? When did you first pick well, up? Preceding an album that, like that? I'm yeah, talking about Spike Jones. Let's go back first. Yeah, yeah. Spike Jones, about 12 years old. Yeah. Uh, in my personal life, I get hysterical like once a year. I laugh and I cannot control myself for about a half hour. I'm on the floor, pounding the floor. When I heard the his version of the William Tell Overture, yes, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, the old William Lone Ranger theme, and then the gargling, you know, if you know the gargling part. Yes. When I heard the gargling, I was about 12, 13 years old. I fell on the floor, could not control myself. I don't know whether it was Doodles Weaver who did that, or anyway, Doodles was my idol. A lot of guys put pictures of Sigourney Weaver up there. I had Doodles Weaver <laughs> on my bedroom wall for many, many years. Still do. My wife said, get that thing down. I said, no. At least replace it with Doodle. El Pat Weaver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weaver. Doodles are staying up there, Sue. I'm not getting rid of Doodles. <laughs> so anyway, Spike Jones was hysterical. Then, all those, as you say, all those albums came in. Uh, more saw, but Shelley Berman and uh, Nichols and May and Bob Newhart. That's when I first heard Newhart. Mm-hmm. So, great. Incredibly classic stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were startling. You're just uh, Newhart especially. And Berman, who I've written for since. I've written for him recently. But um, Newhart stuff, I've always liked Newhart and wrote for him about four or five times. Mm-hmm. I wrote both of his TV series. I wrote for him when he replaced Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. They had mm-hmm. guest hosts for a while. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Newhart was one of them. And uh, I still see him around. And um, I meet him at Walgreens. He lives in the nearby. And mm-hmm. I'm, Usually at the antacid aisle, I, I meet Bob. By coincidence, we're both there at the same aisle. But uh, he's a great guy, and he's like Jack Benny. He's a reactor when you, know, yeah. when you write for him. He surrounds himself with nutty people, yeah. and he reacts. And uh, you know, I, did the, I did a couple of episodes of the Bob Newhart Psychiatrist Show mm-hmm. called New, Newhart. Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart show. And then the Newhart Show was the... Uh, he had three jobs. He was an innkeeper, <laughs> he was a how-to book writer, mm-hmm. and he became a talk show host on that oh, that's series. That's right. I forgot about that part. And of it. So then uh, the part about him being a, a writer, that's when I had him go to typing school. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and, they, and basically I went to Woodland Hills in real life, and I started to type with one finger. And the, la- oh, the lady said, the instructor, who reminded me of my second-grade teacher, she had me frightened. Oh, no. I was 42, <laughs> and she had me very frightened. She said, when you... Uh, pull your paper out. Do not pull your paper out. Use your paper release lever. Remember that. Anyway, I made a mistake. I once I pulled my paper out. Uh-oh. She said, looked around the room and said, "What is that sound I hear? Uh-oh. Did somebody pull their paper out instead of using the paper release lever?" Now I was very frightened. Oh my god! And then the next week, before the lesson started, I wrote with one finger, chapter eight, page twelve, just to tell where I was. She came up to my desk, stood in front of me, said. Did I see you hunting and pecking? Uh-oh. I said, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> so the whole episode was based on Bob going back to try to. And the teacher that he had in night school from TF Typing was the teacher he had in Ohio when he grew up. So 
He wanted to prove to this guy that he was a much better guy because the guy hated him when he was eight. He wanted to show I'm successful now and I can do stuff. And he was a screw-up in the typing class. That's what that episode was all about. I re- I, that, that's actually one thing I've always loved about any material that's ever been written for Bob Newhart mm-hmm. is that when they expand on... You know, everybody talks about his deadpan, his skills at being deadpan. But also, yeah. like, if you watch his act, that man can fake laugh like nobody's business. The acting that it involves just uh-huh, to pretend yeah. you're oh, hearing good. somebody on the other end of the line. Yeah. So oh, giving terrible. him something to milk like that, and especially something that childish, which yes. is so regressive. Yeah. Like, to write that for an adult. I just think that's uh, some of my favorite stuff. That's yeah, no, he's, he's great. Great to write for. Um, so that, that begs a question for me. Yeah. Did, did, did you or did anyone... Do the mad parody of either of the new hard shows? I did. You did. Okay. I did. So, so <laughs> I was did. that an out of body experience? Uh, an out no, of type In fact, I may have done it before I started doing the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Not oh, so okay. new hard. I called it. Not so. Not uh, so yeah. Okay. So I did that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the only time you had that experience of writing something that you had also well, worked on? Let me see. I got to confess that I did Empty Nest. And okay. I, I, under a different name. Oh, really? Under so student, so there's student. more than 200 uh, <laughs> There's another name I've used. I've, I've used really? a couple. One of them, when I did the Woody Allen, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, sure. which I loved. I yeah. did that. I, I combined two of my agent's names. Debbie, uh, Debbie Klein, and Mike Ovitz. Debbie Ovitz was the name of the writer <laughs> for that episode. Ah. There were two episodes of Mad, two stories of Mad written by Debbie Ovitz. That was one of them. I was, I was so intimidated by Woody Allen that I didn't want to put my name on anything satirizing one of his movies. Holy cow. That was, and I loved the way it came out. And Mort Drucker did an incredible job drawing, especially the opening panel of Hannah and his sisters. It was uh, Woody Allen and all those, you know, and Max, Max Van Sydow and Michael Caine. Michael Caine, yeah. He did yeah. a great job with that. It, it always impressed me, and, and we're, not, we're talking about writing and not, not artists, but, yeah. but he... Mort Drucker and Angela Torres both had the ability to draw. It was easier for Torres because he was working off television that existed. But but mad parodies of movies would come out sometimes around the same time mm. that the movie came out. They had. To I be doubt that. I doubt it. Usually, four or five months later. But but it, well, in my experience, yeah. maybe it's when I finally saw them. <laughs> but but it just seemed like he, he had to have drawn them before they came out, didn't he? With the uh, he had, well, I, I don't know what time? they... What he, they may have been stills of the movie from the PR people okay. and the publicity well, departments who were sometimes reluctant to give stuff to Mad Magazine. Sure. But then when <laughs> Mad was owned by Time, by, uh, Time well, Warner, Time Warner boy, they would yeah. get Warner stuff earlier. Sure. So sure. Uh, if something came out close to the release date, it was unusual. Usually I'd write an article okay. and then five... I said, where are they? Four or five months later would come out. So if you... You really couldn't have anything very topical uh, in it. But, yeah. um, you know, Drucker, uh, uh, Angelo Torres is good. Drucker was incredible. So was yeah. Wally Wood and those early people. Sure. And Jack Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is like uh, uh, just to talk about the art. I, I'm just looking through it. It's one of that. It, the skill that somebody like Drucker has, where some people might, if you're not paying close attention, could dismiss it. Could dismiss it easily as, yeah. as oh he's a caricaturist. No, he's not just a caricaturist. There's just no. You the see the expressions to it exactly. He's he's he, he yeah. did classic expressions uh, of you know characters and he was fantastic. I mean, because like I had to reread over the Zing a couple times just uh, to look through it, and it reminded me of a lot of stuff I'd forgotten about the Sting. I yeah. mean, that's how Sting was really good movie. Really good movie. Brilliant. Yeah. Really brilliantly thought out. What were you? As opposed to birds do it. Right. Well, the things did not. The scenes in nutshell. How to compare the sting to birds? <laughs> well, in fact, I mean, as a kid, most movies, certainly the R-rated and even yeah. the, 
the the the, the PG movies, I, I first learned of them from Mad uh, the Mad Perry. Mm-hmm. I yes, knew, that's true. I knew China Clown before I knew yeah, China right, Clown. Right, right. And, <laughs> and both Odd Father Parts One and Two. Yeah, I, right. I, I, Larry Siegel, yes. Before, right. And so I mean, it, it with the, TV was the exception because at least I knew what. Claude Dumbo was parodied. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. But, yeah. uh, some titles were quite good on, on Mad's part. Some were not that good. Uh, some, you know, story titles. But, um, yeah, the best title was a guy, uh, Five Easy Pieces. His parody uh, thing was Five Easy Pages. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Perfect. Self-referential. Self oh, that's yeah. so good. Um, so when did you first what was your first thing you sold to a comedian to a stand up do you remember Morty Gunty stand up comic mm-hmm. from um, Catskills in Brooklyn I sold him stuff and then word got around I worked for other comics and then started writing for Tony Fields Steve Lawrence and Eddie mm-hmm. Gourmet mm-hmm. back east Jackie Vernon was classically funny mm-hmm. he paid very slowly <laughs> but he's very funny one of the great he had he had that remember he had that slide routine yes of course and but one well, recently had a holiday I remembered he had that New Year's Eve line. He said, you know, he's just, do you, are you familiar with... Jackie only a Ver- little, only a little. Okay, chubby guy, dull, monotone speaking. Yeah, he's like a, matter of fact. Stephen Wright. Like but Stephen Wright. Bigger, yeah, bigger sure. okay. wider Stephen Wright. But, but would wear, you know, a suit and thin yeah, yeah, tie. But he's very dull, very, look, very dull looking. Key, yeah. And he said, he, he's a dull guy. He's, he's once arrested Times Square New Year's Eve for loitering. Now wait, he's the he's the voice of. He could be the voice of a frosty. No, he's he's in one of the Christmas. I think he's Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, it could be. He's passed away. I think. Oh, why? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, premature. I think think you're looking up uh, Frosty the Snowman. I'll I'll, I'll look looking up up dead people. (laughs) Under dead people. There was there was some rumor in my family that he was related to us. That he had changed his name from Verone to Vernon. Vernon. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But but I I never born Ralph Verone. Really? Yes. Oh, well, see, all it took oh. was checking your phone oh, to really? find out that. So yep. I'm so, really so my my cousin my cousin Ralph. You mean when you talk mm-hmm. about Jack yeah yeah Burton. exactly right your cousin oh. Ralph. <laughs> so they have it. Yeah, oh, well, I'm uh, glad we only said nice things. There was about a rumor it. in my family that we were related through marriage to John Garfield, the actor. Of course, right. Really. Uh, oh, so that's... that may or may not be true. Don't know. Well, should we just? Uh, there's a rumor that I might be related to Lucille Ball. So there we go. So uh, we've got so, those three takes. Uh, yes, we got rumors those. All, all out there. Did you see that? That's the interesting thing too. Is is having to write? It's one thing having to write a parody or to write satire, but then to you have to. Are you not accessing the same part of your brain when you're writing somebody else's material? When you have writing to for know a comic, their, you mean? Yeah, you have to know their. Well, you have to know their style. Yeah, their different so, style. You have to know what they, how they work, and what the rhythm is. Mm-hmm. And that's not difficult, I don't think. You know, no. Vernon is easy. Jackie Vernon is a very mm-hmm. low key guy. Sure. And, you know, I did a thing for him once. Is that occupation? I like. He said, "I'm not being a comedian is not my only job. I've got another job. I'm a shepherd." It's <laughs> <laughs> just that. That's it. Because <laughs> I've done. <laughs> Uh, I've done a lot of shepherd humor in my time. I did a for candy camera. I did. I placed an ad in the New York Times, Situations Wanted column when I was in college. Uh, I'm, I'm amidst accountant and statistician and secretary, shepherd to tend flock. Handy. Anybody Will call? not cry wolf. Oh. <laughs> Dewey right. 9, 108, 9. Anyway, the Times called the next day. He said, okay. Kogan, Mr. Kogan, yeah, you can't place this. Why not? You have to name something specific. I said, well, Shepherd to Ten Flock, that's specific. They said, okay, that's okay, but what is this will not cry wolf? 
I said, oh, that's a tr- just a term used in the trade. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning you'll do a good job, won't get around. He said, okay, we'll place it. They placed it. So, you know, I placed it. That evening, I get a phone call. You're the guy who put the effort of Shepherd? Yeah. I got a farm in New Jersey. I need somebody. And then suddenly I got fright panicked. Oh, I can't do it. I hurt my leg. I'm injured. I, it was a friend of mine putting me on. I had no idea. But I got very, very frightened that I might have worked. Do you but, have a copy of that? Did you keep that? Because I do have a copy oh of my that. God. Uh, I've got a home in the desert I have there, and I must have it there someplace. Let me, I'll give it to you later. I'll check okay, yeah, no, we, I, I'm just I'll curious. I, yeah, I, uh, that's classic. That's I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I love doing stuff, subtle stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I once had uh, invitations to Grace Kelly's wedding, where she married Prince Rainier mm-hmm. in Monaco in 1963, 60, 56, whatever. I forgot the year. Anyway, it said Mr. and Mrs. Kelly, I sent a hundred invitations. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Kelly <laughs> of Philadelphia announced the marriage of their daughter Grace to Prince Rainier, Monaco, April 9, 1956. So-and-so will or will not attend. Tissue paper, re- response cards, sent it to 100 people. 96 people were hysterical. Um, some people, a guy, a friend of mine in the Army, received it, knew, recognized my handwriting, pretended that they really got it, made front page stars and stripes, the Army newspaper. Soldier invited to the wedding of Grace Kelly, Prince Rainier. And he said, his whole story, he said, I never know both Prince Rainier and Grace Kelly. Grace is a natural kid. Never thought she'd marry the prince because she worshipped athletes. Uh, I've been to that area of the world before. I'm going to Hong Kong instead. He went to Hong Kong. The mayor of the city gave him the key to Hong Kong. The soldier turned down the wedding, went to, made the news in the mirror. And, uh, you know, so it's a lot of stuff for that. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. So uh, that's the kind of stuff I like to do. The days when you, you get, couldn't check, double check anything. Well, uh, he would have been thrown out had he gone to the wedding. Sure, been, sure. Yeah, that's also true. French. Oh, here's the key to that whole story. I worked for my father at the time, West 19th Street in New York, between 5th and 6th. He had a children's wear manufacturing. By the way, he fired me twice because I sang too loud. We didn't get along. But I brought this whole thing to the, to the printer across the street, to the stationer across the street on West 19th. Mm-hmm. He sent it to a printer on Houston Street. And the printer on House Street called him and said, they gave you this job? Like, how did, how did you get, how did Grace Kelly come to West 19? I couldn't believe, how did you get this? Oh, my so God. That was part of that. You know, but, I, this, this is just reminding me, yeah. there's an episode of The Simpsons where yes. Bart is in New York City and goes to visit. Oh, yes, Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, it's true. It's, very, it's true. You people me. are that way. Yeah. You're just and, that and it was a very dull place, right? It was right there. was a secretary. Jay talks about it, my son Jay. Mm-hmm. And then they get coffee, because when he went up there, he expected it to be dazzling. Uh-huh. It's Marty Grimes. Just, uh, you know, it's a business. It's a place of business. Yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Yes. That is beautiful. Um, (laughs) So you were listening. Okay, so around this time, you, like everybody else, are listening to to Berman, to Bob Newhart. Um, As a a comedy person, as a comedy writer, you're picking up their, uh, you know, their, just their their patterns, their rhythms. Yes, especially if you have to write for them. Exactly. Are there any of them that you think bled through to what you wrote for Mad Magazine? Is there anybody who like might have changed how you looked at comedy at the time? Or um, I don't remember that. I mean, I sure. loved them, uh, most of them. Mm-hmm. I liked New Art in his own way, Shelley Berman's own way, uh, Mort Saul earlier, um, mm-hmm. but didn't change my rhythm of writing for Mad Magazine. No. Of course, there was a couple of years break, and then the uh, the Sherman thing hit, uh, Hello Mother, Hello Fa- the Father, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. and then The First Family, which exploded yeah. on the uh, record charts. And the first family story is Earl Dowd, you know, created yeah. the first family. And Earl Dowd used to write for Mad Magazine also. Okay. He was, did some stories for Mad. So that year, 
there was a Christmas party every year at Matt, and this was 1962, I believe. And so that year, the Christmas party, first film he hit, exploded about two, three months before. Earl Dowd comes to the Christmas party wearing a fur coat, you know, successful, <laughs> and actress Julie Newmar on his arm. Oh, my God. So that was his entrance. So I had Sue Kogan and, uh, and I had <laughs> denim shirt. <laughs> but that was what I remember from that Christmas party. Earl wow. Dowd traipsed in and... Uh, yeah, and then later you worked with him on which, which well, was, yeah, one of the uh, other sequels, First Family Rides Again. I think. Oh, really? Mm, I believe I, I, I have a credit on that. I forgot what I wrote. Why didn't I bring that with me? I got I, it. I, 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 I should. I'd yeah. have you sign it if I brought it with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, wow. See, yeah. that's uh, and I remember very little of that except for chasing your old trying to get some money. We had <laughs> moves. Mm-hmm. He was a little slow, <laughs> but uh, colorful, interesting, funny guy. But. Didn't pay very quickly. Sure. No, yeah. I've also heard that because I've yeah. known a couple other people who work for Earl Dow, yeah. too. Um, boy, okay. So, <laughs> um, well, we've answered all of all of the basic questions I already have. So that's all. Try the try. unbasic question. The unbasic question. Mm-hmm. That's probably a very good yeah. idea. Uh, do you have Do you have a favorite comedy album of all time or from wow. that period? Favorite comedy album of all time. Because you, your influences and your I loves think, are uh, as varied as I Maybe hoped. the button down my new, Bob Newhart. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Uh, there's tough. I mean, Nichols and May stuff is very funny. Yeah. The Shelley Berman stuff, very funny. I cannot pinpoint a favorite comedy album of all time. Right. Oh, 2,000-Year-Old Man. Sure. Yeah. And, or 2001. Both hysterical. Brilliant. Both hysterically funny. Line after line, premise... The guy, the, this guy who met all these characters through history, and he <laughs> dated Joan of Arc, you know. Uh, he, and he sold every invention. He has 8,002 grandchildren. None of them visit him on a Sunday, not one. Great, great lines. Yeah. Great lines. Is there, when, when, when you're breaking down your favorite stuff, is there, any, is there a particular type of comedy that you like more, or is it just strictly what's funny? Because uh, basically what's be funny, snobby. but some, um, if it's clever and smart, I like it. Yeah. More than if it's just slapstick, you know, as funny as Spike Jones was, mm-hmm. I appreciated the, the you know, verbal stuff of these stand-up comics mm-hmm. more. Although, I got to say, you give me a good Spike Jones record, I'm there, you know, it's, it's yeah. great. Patrick, yeah. I was, yeah, just since you've read them all, yeah. is there something you've <laughs> I ever... I can't say that I've read okay, them Okay, but you have them all. Yeah, I have them all. You have them all. Yeah, by osmosis. <laughs> by osmosis. He hasn't read a single... He's planning on reading them all tonight. <laughs> oh, tonight. Yeah, well, he bought oh, them all. Was, well, get back to me after that. But do you have, is there anything you've ever wanted to know about the, the history of Matt? Well, I mean, I, I asked the, the ask question I, yeah. I cared about, which was, you know, what what access did you have to the, to the movies, particularly before they came out? It oh, sounds like well, the access to the movie, at that time, before the internet, you had to see the movie... And then maybe read a review in Time magazine to see what, you know, I say, what, I'm sitting in the darkened, darkened theater for two hours, making right. notes, scribbling right. notes that I don't understand when I come home. <laughs> say, I'd seen one, and if, especially if it's a two hour movie, you said, what the hell? How, what happens next? I got to have to get a review, got to check it out. And there was no internet then. I have to do everything I can to see no. what the plot was. Yeah. To say, okay, here's what the ending is, here's, the story, here's what I can base it on. Yeah. I'd have to do a lot of research. Now it's much easier. You got to, you know. Sure. Yeah, so. And, and Mad was put together, I mean, the usual gang of idiots was spread across the nation for the most part, wasn't it? Mean, oh, yeah, here, and, and, and across the, the world. Interesting. Oh, there, I didn't oh know yeah, international. There's a, I have a German version of, um, um, what was the movie? I forgot the movie. Anyway, there's right. some German stuff and there's Holland stuff. And, yeah. But my point is that, that this, again, because this was before the Internet, I mean, you right. had 
telephones and yes. And, but but in the early days, you didn't even have fax machines. I mean, how did you get it to them? Yeah, I mailed it to them. It took two or three days. So or, so there was so it's a very it's a, it's an arduous very slow. Problem. I remember going wow. to the post office with the, you know. You know, uh, celebrity wallets. I forgot whose wallet. I used to do a thing called celebrity wallets. Uh -huh. you may remember. Yes, you yeah. did about twenty of them. I Bobby Darren was the first one. It was right. really funny. Right. And uh, just send it. You'd, you'd mail it. A thing called mail, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but but in terms of collaboration with the artist, never. It just didn't happen. Then. No, we didn't have. No, you wow. give it to the editor. They would take it. They'd right. fool with it a little bit, and they'd send it to the artist. Wow. You know, so the, I, I didn't collaborate with the artist. I had no idea who was doing the art till I read the article. Wow. So it, came, it would come out four months later. Yeah, and, then I'd say, oh, Drucker did this. Great. You know, I would not know who did it. Did it matter? That's... Was anything precious? Like, it doesn't seem like it could be if you're still writing a parody of something that you love. Like you said, you, you wrote something about Hannah and her sisters, and you love yeah. Woody Allen. So yeah, yeah. You, What's the question? Well, how do, how do you do something? You just oh, can't be you, precious about it, how right? How do you parody I mean, something you like that you really care about? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I know that it's easy yeah. for me. But... It's easy to do something if you hate it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, still in all these ways, ways of doing it if you like the film. I like this thing very much. Sure, yeah. And I did that. So you can still do both. You can do both. Yeah. yeah. And did you, did, I mean, were there things that you couldn't do? Were there things that got... Um, oh, yeah. Certain types of movies I, I would say no to. I don't know uh, what, what, if the film was really dull or long mm. or, you know, some films I said no to. And some TV shows, a lot of TV shows I said no to. I mean, the fact that it's, it, what is it, quarterly now? It comes out... Now it's, a, it should be... Six times a year? Is it every other month? Maybe six or eight times a year. Okay. Yeah. And it used to be a month... I think it was monthly. Well, usually, used to be eight times a year it when I started. It was eight times a year, yeah. right. Then it became monthly when Time Warner owned it. Now... And then, it, yeah, I, I, I dropped back. If it's, yeah, not, if it's yeah. not quarterly, it's maybe five or six times a year. But but the point is, you, you just have fewer opportunities to do. Yeah. Um, so, like, you did the, the, the Mad Men parody... Must have been right. like in season four, or season five. Yes, it took, right. Took a little bit longer to. Well, they to want to make sure they want to make sure that it's popular. <laughs> I've done some movies yeah. that were not popular at all, and you say it came out six months, four months later, that so nobody's watching this at all. Yeah, yeah. Cares. Like, movies that nobody's seen at all. And were there any were there any memorable jokes or things that you put in that just didn't? Didn't fly. A lot okay. of them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. I know. I don't know if they were memorable jokes. There were a lot of jokes I loved that didn't fly. That, yeah. And they would sometimes change the wording a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'd send me a copy and I'd change it back and they'd say no. <laughs> so um, it would change a little bit. It wouldn't change a lot. It's not like rewritten like sitcom. I was going to say, as compared oh, yeah. to working huh. in, a, in the most collaborative medium. No, in they, the they change much less. It's much, le much yeah. closer to what you've originally written. But there are changes. Depending on the editor, depending on their style, and so forth. So, Felstein didn't change as much as the current guy, Fakara. Oh, yeah, Al did not. He pretty much let, you know. Uh, his problem with me is I wrote too much. I wrote too many texts for the balloons. They didn't want the balloons to be oh, too yeah. thick. Mm, okay. My balloons yeah. were thick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> were they? <laughs> Man with thick balloons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get that yeah, they want to work it, fit it in, you know. Well, that and that's that's the other impressive thing about Mad. Just historically, is that the, the layout and the ability to get that much. Content. They do. They have a lot of people doing a very good job with layout. They it, lay it out and they and they work it out so that it's a. Yeah. It's about the only. I mean, comic books don't do this. I mean, just the yeah. the the line yeah, yeah. drawn to the you know the, the 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 the. It's hard to express this on a radio type show. <laughs> right. But, but you know, there's there's one balloon which is attached to another balloon yeah. with a line that comes. Some down. require a lot oh, yeah. of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It requires a lot of work very often. I, I was impressed by that too, but it's also 
remarkably easy to read regardless of that complex well, no, layout, and, and, you know? And nobody else does that. I right. mean, it's not, comic books tend not to do that. They'll mm-hmm. just do another panel. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was a much more... And, and the, the one thing, I was very proud of myself when I was about 15 that I, that I came to the conclusion that every, every single line in Mad Magazine, in, in the parodies, ends in an exclamation point. Interesting. I put them in, <laughs> and some guys don't, and that, yeah, they do that. It's, they do that. That's with the really exception of. I'm just looking at here yeah. the the parody of of uh, Fool of the Nile. Uh, the <laughs> Fool of the Nile. Um, uh, every well, there's a couple of question marks. And sure. There's a couple of ellipses. Yeah, and my my grammar, my, my punctuation is awful. So I don't know where. <laughs> well, that's you know, where the editor yeah. comes. Actually, in. that was going to be another question I had too. There's a lot of bolding. There's a lot of choice bolding in it. Yeah, I, was I, just, I, I was in, curious. I underline. I bold quite sure? a bit. Sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. I do. You probably too much. <laughs> No, it's fine. I think that and along with the exclamation points, there is this kind of energy to reading it that is different from any My wife, before she married me, said, I love you, Arnie, but do you underline and bold too much? I said, well, maybe. Maybe maybe I do. I don't know. So the other the other one that I have here on the on the on the top is the is the Golden Girls parody which you wrote with your son Jay, right. who himself an Emmy winning. Uh, oh yeah, more than me. Writer. I have three. He has four. Oh, he has well. Okay, yeah, but, who, but who's counting? <laughs> right. I'm counting. Uh, all right. Well, in fact, as I recall, one of his Emmys, he announced his mother's yes uh, phone number classic. on the air. Yeah, he won the Emmy for the Frasier that year. He beat out uh, beat out. Who's the guy who wrote the Social Network? I forgot it. Oh, Aaron Sorkin. I don't. Yeah, about Sorkin, who did a series on at the time. Um, anyway, how did I forget Sorkin's name? Yeah. Anyway, um, and he said, uh, "Thank my dad, Arnie Cogan, and my mom for all your real estate needs in the Valley and the West Side. Call my mother Sue Cogan." And he left her phone name. Gave her phone number. Gave the full number. Yeah. yeah. And then on the, on, I guess it went live to the East Coast, and then but to the West Coast it was it was bleep. So. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. It, yeah, it's true. Yes, yes, exactly. But, oh, that's uh, perfect. That, that, that's a devoted son. Yes, is, you, yeah. you trained him well. So, so, well, but that's my question. I mean, I've, I've, I've worked with Jay, yes. and and he's obviously inherited quite a bit from from you. But yeah. uh, what, what, what do you think? Oh, I, I brought this up because you wrote one piece. Wrote the golden, with, and that was one and a half piece. We did a piece. It was a thing about comedy posters, or comedy bumper stickers. And he contributed. He was like 11, 14 years old, and he contributed some of those also. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, he did some of those too, yes. So what's that like working with your son? I love it. As a matter of fact, it turns out when he did Frasier, I right. went in to pitch to him. Ah. And did to he hire sell, you? I, and so I had sell some stories. I, I thought I had some very good ideas. Oh, he said okay. I'd like them. He had to bring it to some other people. I didn't get it. But it's great just pitching to my son, That's hoping he'll buy something. I love that. That's awesome. He was the funniest 11-year-old kid I've ever seen in my life. I Jay bet. was hysterical. I bet. And, and I, I will say, uh, The Wrong Man is one of the funniest things I've oh, ever seen in my that's life. that's great. I love that. How I do you know that? I love that. How do you I, know that? I saw it years ago, and then a couple of years ago, he did a thing at CineFamily where he interviewed the other people involved with the movie right, right. Uh, on stage, and it was brilliant. I lo- I, oh, that's was a very funny Underrated film. movie. Very, very underrated funny film. film. I mean, it's it's no uh, birds do it, but it's, it's you <laughs> yeah, know, we know that yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I was actually going to ask you about because we talked about this earlier, and it does not come up on Wikipedia. So obviously, I'm not going to find it. Luckily, you told me about it. LBJ and the Catskills. Oh, yeah. Was that also an Earl Dowd? Because I didn't. I no, didn't just know. me and a guy named Paul Lakin. Uh, basically, LBJ when he was president went to the Catskill Mountains for mm-hmm. a weekend, 
and uh, with his family. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, "Let's." Uh, a comedy album guy said, "Jump on this. Let's do it." And uh, myself and Paul Lakin spent uh, two days in Queens in his house. We wrote this comedy album, mm-hmm. and it was quickly done. Fanny Flagg played LBJ's wife. Really? Okay. And um, Jack DeLeon, I don't know if you know, stand-up comic Jack DeLeon, did LBJ, very good LBJ. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was LBJ and the Caskills, and they had a you know dining room scene and a press conference in the dining room. It was pretty <laughs> funny. Pretty funny. Was it, was it recorded in studio? It wasn't a live thing like First Family? It was live. It was, it was live. Okay. It was, well, it was, it was recorded with a live audience. Oh, okay. Live audience. Oh, that's yeah. great. I need I need to pick that up because yeah. it's there. There was this period of time, of course, where uh, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't necessarily have an act, but you had a good idea, this if you had the person with them, there were so many LBJ. I have. I own about 10 different Nixon parody albums really? just yeah, because really, yeah. they're not good most of them. There yeah. are one or two that are really solid. Yeah. But like everybody was doing these political albums. Was there what was the energy to writing something like this at the time when like We were very excited. We we say hey, it's a really good idea. Yeah. And we had all these and he was a very good typist, Paul Lakin, mm-hmm. in addition to being very funny. <laughs> so uh, we knocked it <laughs> out in the weekend and um, wow. got on and Carson I was doing the Tonight Show in New York at the time. He promoted it. He was nice enough to promote it while I was one of the writers on the wow. show. He said, I got to have his album here. and So it, it didn't sell, go through the roof, but it sure. did, okay, did okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is also an era when there were, there were David Fry and, and yeah, the guys who sure. were doing a yes. lot of politically oriented humor. It was certainly before Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. before you had uh, you know the, the amount, the quantity of on-air political. You didn't have The Daily Show. I mean, you, No, it's true. Yes, you didn't have that at all. So that yeah. so that was probably you know with the exception of Paul Krasner, the the one way that you could get political humor out into right. the mainstream was mm-hmm. through that That's kind true. of album. Yeah, and also hold on to it. And I mean, the one thing that I, I, I frankly would love to bring back is the idea of the party album, or at least a party involving a list, the listening of. A, I mean, I'm the person I guess who would have to put those together. Yes, but it's up to you. Yeah, it is up to me. But. Um, were there any? Did, did you ever attend any things like this? Where you, where you, you were just we're here to listen to an album? I'm curious because nobody ever talks about this. Did I ever show. go to a, a listen listen to a comedy yeah. album? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Or do it at your own house, or have it on the background? I'm just curious because this is a I, period that I don't think I have. No. 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 Okay. It's funny because there's those. My wife has a, a few Red Fox yeah. albums, which are really raw. Uh-huh. I mean, even by uh-huh. today's standards. Really, and, and, even even by today's oh, standards. Oh yeah, no, no, oh, they're yeah. they're. Because I can't think of anything being rawer than today's standard. Well, uh, Red Fox cook. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but but anyway, and they're, but they're called party albums on mm-hmm. on the fan. And it's basically, it's a, Mom's it's, it's, Mabley had some maybe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mom's Mabley, yeah. uh, Pigmeat Markham. Uh-huh, um, yeah. But but the Red Fox are called Literally party albums because that. I think they were meant to be played. I'm so I'm shocked that they would be played in mixed company, right? Right. But, and whatever kind of party it was, mm-hmm. where Red Fox would talk about the things he talked about, yeah. Um, uh-huh. uh, you 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 want to make sure that the police were not uh, <laughs> right. We're not in, aware of where of where you are. They but. should have been called. Your kids can hear these through the walls, don't you know that? Because like that's the kind of stuff I always hear kids talk. That people talk about. Yeah, my parents would listen to this, but I wasn't allowed to listen to it. Yeah, but yeah, like right. I was exposed. That's the kind of stuff though. No, that's what my wife's always Ooh. saying about the Richard Pryor album. Yeah. That her uh, yeah, but it's imagine you talk about the police. You talk about yeah. driving along on uh, Wilshire, and the cops pull you over. Excuse me, you just threw up at a party album. Pull over. It also reminds me. You know the the, the line. Uh, Lenny Bruce was performing 
the night Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, yeah. Yes. That, you know the story? Yes. I don't, I don't <laughs> know the story. November 22nd, 1963, <laughs> Lenny Bruce is scheduled to perform. He decides to perform. He goes out. The audience is, you know, breathlessly waiting. The first thing he's going to say, he just kind of shakes his head, and he says, poor Vaughn Meter. Oh, the first thing you say, wow. Wow, that's great. Yeah. He wasn't wrong. That's great. was not wrong. Well, that's great. <laughs> We actually, that's another thing, too, is like we were talking about this before we started recording, but Vaughn Meter did try, not with Kennedy, but tried, tried to, to revive other, it. With, yeah, yeah, he had another album that was just, just a general comedy album, which I haven't listened to, but then he did another one in the vein of First Family, where but it was about Jesus coming back as a hippie. Oh. And yeah, okay. I, 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 I want to listen to it, but, he, you know, uh, his story is a little sad, but it's, it's still Funny if Jackie Kennedy had the same line in Texas in the car. <laughs> Poor Vaughn Meter. <laughs> Did you now? This occurs to me. I mean, it's all it's it's a visual medium. But did you ever? Was there any? Was there any kind of comedian that got pulled apart by Mad Magazine that I might not be thinking of at the oh, time? Oh, there probably was. I didn't pull them. Apart. I did one similar to the one you talked about, where the uh, different comedians doing uh, a certain subject. But yeah, yeah. comedians. They probably have been pulled apart by Matt. I can't think specifically of which ones. Because there's this one. This, this yeah, is the one I, I showed you have. earlier. The, yeah, they have years later, recently, the last ten years. Yeah, yeah. It's because they're more. <laughs> it's just more of a. I guess I, I don't know. They, they took comedians. They pulled apart their act. Yeah, yeah. This is specifically. I was showing him this earlier. It does not have a writer credited, but it is six different comedians of the time telling the same joke essentially. And the, just the thing about this is they've nailed. They've the nailed the, the rhythms meter. and the style. Yeah, the style but I mean, but that's yeah. what you did professionally yeah. also, having to just, right, you have you to have it. an ear for that kind of thing. You said it does; it's not difficult, but I think it's because it's not difficult for well, you. Well, you know, <laughs> you got to, you know, uh, Newhart works very differently than um, than Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. You know, different rhythm. It's a, sure. sure. Yeah. But, but, but just being able to identify that and then also put your own voice into it is... Right. Uh, is, uh, right. That's complex. Um, so... Anyway, that was just I thought that was pretty interesting. But again, no, no, no art writers credited in this. Yeah, should that when did that change? When did they decide? Well, that, that, that when that came out, there was a writer credit. It's just not in that paperback issue. Oh, yeah. uh, that changed yeah. around um, when I started writing in '59. It was not there. I'm right. thinking around '63 or '64. Okay. They actually had the writers' names on the article. And, and was that the result of somebody complaining? You know, or, uh, well, I don't know what. They just came. What happened? Senses. I don't know why it came about, but it did. I'm glad it did. Sure. sure no. Yeah. So uh, how does how when the, the and we I keep referring to this this website and I can't remember the guy's name but the website yeah. that has the index the of database who wrote. Yeah, of all the writers earlier, and artists yeah. Yeah. right he how does he know who oh wrote yeah it? he's kept track of all the years but how? he but I mean for the ones that weren't credited somebody yeah. had to reveal who I mean, well who, is there a, is there another source that no that's the you know the editors revealed it okay yeah, so he yeah. must have just gone through because yeah. you referred earlier to some. You could go at at the mad offices, and they had indexes. Well, the they, yeah, but they, you can go to the internet. They have every single. Uh, I know they do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm yeah. saying at the time. Oh, the time for him to put this together. Yeah, I, yeah, he may have been keeping track since issue number one. I don't know how that worked. He may be in, in his room writing down. Well, no, it sounds like he's a guy that doesn't get out much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. what's what's his name? I'm trying Jason, to so, find it yeah. desperately. It's a, I had it up, and now it's disappeared. It's, it's, it's like the Mad Cover. I, I think it's the Mad Cover Archive. Yeah. If I'm not right. if right. I'm not mistaken, I, can... I should know his name. Um, we've done documentaries oh, with him. I forgot his name. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's a way too. If you uh, want to look up at least, uh, you know, at least find the stuff that Arnie's written, and yeah. you don't know better, then go go on the website. If you uh, don't the, know the stuff that he's written and put his name on. Yes, well, it says in there, I believe. Yeah, asterisk Arnie Kogan asterisk 
There it are is, rumors that he's also written a lot of articles under another name. It okay. says that, I believe. Yeah, madcoversite.com. So if you go there, that yeah. is, it was very helpful for me earlier, looking through the different stuff that you'd written. Um, we were talking earlier. I mentioned the funniest mad article ever was written by the guy that used to write for Bob and Ray, Tom Cook, mm-hmm. pronounced, spelled K-O-C-H. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a thing called 83-Man Squamish. Uh-huh. He created, uh, you remember, do you remember that? Uh, he no. created a game, a combination of soccer and rugby and frisbee and with names and positions and rules and regulations. It's hysterical. It's one of those things <laughs> okay, that had to go back later. Falling on the floor hysterical. An entire fake yeah. sport just yeah. for, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, so I don't want to keep you any further. So I feel like, first of all, people should, first, I, I just want to remind people, go read Mad Magazine. Uh, I, it was so pleasant just to pick this way, one well, back up. Yeah, 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 anything yeah. in the works? Anything coming out? Oh, yeah, thank you. you. No, no. I haven't oh, written okay. since uh, Ray Donovan. No. Oh, I'm, I don't know. That's... I'm, if I call them and say I want to do something, they'll say, okay, do it. But I haven't, I haven't called them. And, you know, I'm not that anxious to work that much anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, if something really strikes me, said, there's an article here, I'll do it, you know. There and there. I mean, again, if you want to see any of Arnie's work, we've got both the New Heart shows. Uh, oh, my! What, what's other stuff. stuff that people can go go back and watch? Well, you the can New Heart, the Carol Burnett show, four sure. years of Carol Burnett, yeah. and there's the Time Life series. Although the Time Life series now is about the first five years. I did it from years six to ten. Okay, but they had a panel of writers. I was one of the writers: Buzz Cohen, um, Kenny Soames, and Gail Parent were also mm-hmm. part of that group. And um, first five years were hysterical, and they just didn't rerun them that much. Yeah. So Carol Burnett, I did Dean Martin, I did uh, Mary Tyler Moore sitcom, but I also did the Mary Tyler Moore variety show. You're not really? going to see that anywhere. Uh, no. You know who was on it? Remember that show? Steve Martin. No, the, he, the, oh. the, no. David Letterman, Michael well, Letterman Keaton. Was on, right. David oh, Letterman, right, Michael right, Keaton, right, right. Mary Tyler Moore, Swoozy Kurtz, uh, brilliant cast, wow. Dick Sean. Okay. And um, <laughs> Mary was not comfortable doing that. Passion and Tarsus were the producers. I was the head writer. Good staff, good cast, and Mary was not happy doing it. And, you know, different kind of a show for her. I bet. Huh? Yeah, variety. She didn't want to. They had her singing Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. She wasn't happy doing that. Um, We had, I brought up a thing called the Ed Asner Dancers. We had six guys in suits and ties, ties and shirts, just dancing and doing disco dance. And if you get a chance to catch the opening pilot, it has Michael Keaton and David Letterman singing and dancing. David was not happy singing and dancing. <laughs> Letterman, so he, you can see him. I think he's singing Macho Man or one of those, those songs. Oh, my God. So, well, that was a show I did. I, then I started getting involved with um, Newhart and um, MTNS. And I did um, the Sinbad show, Margaret Cho show, mm-hmm. towards the end of my sitcom stuff. A whole bunch of different shows. I yeah. did Love American Style and Love Boat and... Uh, a zillion shows. Um, Jim Neighbors, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I saw that there too. Um, so first of all, again, uh, everybody, go go read some Mad Magazine. Pick up pick up an old Mad Magazine. They're easy. I've, I've got. They're a not hard here. to come by. They're not. <laughs> the truth. They're getting not, every one of them is hard. Maybe, but getting any one of them is easy. Um, listen, you can listen to I think every Mad song, goofy song that's ever been put together on YouTube. Although you can buy it on vinyl, and maybe we'll do we'll do the actual vinyl compilation at some point on the show. Um, but go watch stuff that Arnie's put together because it's good. It's all funny stuff. And thank you, um, thank you guys for listening. 
Uh, Patrick, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you, Patrick. Good Arnie, seeing you. Arnie, nice thank you so much for letting us Thank you. This. Thank you. It was and fun. And to the audience, as always, have a good thing. Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.